And we're back. <laughs> hey, top of the day to you. I am Michael, your host. This is the FPTV podcast. And uh, generally, we get together every uh, every week. We took a couple of week break for the holidays. We've got another set of holidays coming up. Christmas, New Year's. Anyway, that's coming up today. We've got a lot to talk about, a lot to catch up on. And uh, got a Q&A today, too. So we're going to be uh, checking that out. Anyway, like I said, I am Mike. I am the uh, host of the FBTV podcast. I also am the uh, lead consultant at Taltoa, T-A-L-T-O-A. You can find Taltoa at T-A-L-T-O-A.com. We are a transportation and logistics training and consulting firm. We train and consult freight brokers, freight broker agents. We uh, assist trucking companies. Uh, if it has to do with transportation movement of freight, yes, we uh, we pretty much uh, can consult on that. If you are somebody new, you're wanting to, uh, well, new to the transportation industry, you're wanting to uh, learn as much as you can. Maybe start a career as a freight broker, freight broker agent. We always recommend starting as a freight broker agent, obviously. And if you don't know why, well, we've talked about that a lot but uh, in the past, and I encourage you to go back and listen to a lot of our previous podcasts. But uh, in a nutshell, it gives you the opportunity to gain experience, build your book of business, so that you can be successful when you start your own brokerage. And when I say start your own brokerage, I'm talking about getting your own authority, your freight broker license to work as a freight broker, well, as your own company. As a, as a freight broker agent, understand you are still your own company. You are your own business. It's just that you're going to be contracted to work under a licensed freight broker company. Okay, that makes sense. So that way you don't have to go out and get your license and all that stuff. All right, uh, Q&A today. We've got a Q&A. Uh, Kay up in uh, Yakima, Washington wrote us. We're going to be talking about that. Uh, diesel prices. <laughs> what a joke, huh? They're down a penny. Well, from last week, we haven't got the we, the the, uh, the fuel prices for this week. Won't be out till this afternoon, maybe even tomorrow morning. But we'll be, I, I, I think we're going to have two podcasts this week. So we'll be talking more about that. But it down a penny. The diesel was down a penny last week. And uh, gasoline down uh, maybe a half cent, close to a half cent, 0.04 cents to be exact. And that brings us to what happened last Tuesday. <laughs> last Tuesday, uh, the Biden administration, well, the president got up there and he was thrilled to death to let the country know he was going to release 50 million barrels from reserve to ease the fuel supply problems. Now, these fuel prices I talked about just a moment ago, that is from last week. Okay, again, uh, Monday is when the uh, government releases the uh, new average price per gallon for fuel. So we'll know more about this, and we'll be talking more about this on the podcast. But let's get back to this 50 million barrels of oil 
going to be released from the reserves to ease the fuel supply problems, lower cost at the pump. And I almost bet you a nickel to a donut, you're not going to notice it at all. <laughs> Let me put it this way, 50 million barrels. <clears throat> well, considering the U.S. uses an average of 20.6 million barrels a day, you do the math. See what I mean? Okay, last Tuesday, Biden announced that the United States is going to release millions of barrels of oil from the nation's strategic petroleum reserves in an attempt to lower cost at the pump ahead of the uh, busy travel holiday. And, uh, again, why not just uh, let the oil companies go back to doing what they were doing before he became president? Let them produce oil domestically. Let them get it domestically. Put the people back to work on that pipeline, huh? Anyway, here's how this uh, release is going to work. Two-step deal. 32 million barrels will be uh, an exchange over the next several months, releasing oil that will eventually return to the Strategic Petroleum Reserve in the years ahead. The exchange is a tool matched to today's specific economic environment, where markets expect future oil prices to be lower than they are today and helps provide relief to Americans immediately and bridge to that period of expected lower oil prices. The exchange also automatically provides for restocking of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve over time to meet future needs. Now, what I'm reading here is a statement that the White House prepared and released last week explaining this two-step 50 million barrel release. So it's 32 million is going to be an exchange. 18 million, 18 million barrels will be an acceleration into the next several months of a sell of oil that Congress has previously authorized. So that 18 million, not even one day of uh, what we would consume here in the United States. But hey, you know, it's, it's better than nothing. But like I say, I'll be interested to see what the fuel prices are like when they come out later today. Today, by the way, is Monday, uh, the 29th of November. <laughs> That's hard to believe. I cannot believe it's uh, where we're, Thanksgiving is past. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Smoked a turkey. It turned out pretty good. Don't think quite as good as the one I had last year. But I'll get another attempt. Uh, come uh, Christmas, because i got another turkey out there I'll be smoking as well. But uh, pretty good, anyway. It, it was good. Parts of the turkey was really, really good and moist, and other parts, eh, not so good. Not like it was just last year. Last year, the turkey seemed to be moist all the way through. This year, just certain parts. I don't think I let it brine as long this year as I did last year. Last year, it was in there for a good three days and three or four days. In the brine. This year, eh, two and a half. When did I brine it? Started brining it Monday, Monday evening. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah, about, yeah, about two and a half days, three days maybe. 
But, uh, and I, I used one of those briner buckets. If you brine, what I had been using previously was just anything I could find to put it in. I actually had a couple of big plastic tote bins that uh, stood upright. You know what I mean? They were taller, more than wide, that I could fit a turkey into. And uh, I'd put it, put it into one of these oven bake, bake bags and uh, brine it in there. And that way, so the turkey would be constantly covered. And, well, these weren't food-grade plastic bins I was using anyway, so I, you know, I kind of literally about that. Not that, I don't even know if it mattered that much, but uh, better safe than sorry, right? So anyway, did that, and they, you know, but this year I, I got one of those Briner buckets. You can get them on Amazon. And uh, by the time shipping and tax and everything was over 50 bucks, almost 55, 56 bucks. But it did exactly what it was supposed to do. If uh, I've brined before, and you often have to put plates on top of the bird you know, to keep it submerged. But with the uh, Briner bucket, it's got a thing. Well, you can look it up on Amazon. You'll see what I'm talking about. Makes life a lot easier. Okay. Be careful with it, though. My wife said that uh, sharp edges. And, that, well, I, I, I rinse it out and wash it out in the bathtub. And I had it in there drying or, you know, upside down. And when she went to get it out of the bathtub, I guess she picked it up by the corner or the edge, the top edge. And it's kind of sharp. Didn't cut her, but uh, might want to be careful with that. Anyway, way off track. Okay, what else going on? Ohio eases weight restrictions. <clears throat> That's uh, always a good thing. Now, what's this all about? How come I got two of these? Ah, well, this is what it is. Yeah, we. Uh, I got papers here for my material that we're going to be talking about today. And it looks like I got copies of a couple of things. But anyway, getting all that sorted out. Uh, there's another one. Why is this du why did that duplicate? Who knows? Anyway, neither here nor there. Ohio eases weight restrictions once again to address supply chain showdown. Uh, Governor Mike DeWind I believe that's how you pronounce it. He has eased weight restrictions for semis in an attempt to address the current slowed supply chain. And I scratch my head at some of this stuff because some of it's just political hate. Look what I'm doing. But it really doesn't mean anything if nobody else is doing it. <laughs> you know. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it's something. Anyway, somebody's trying to do something. And by doing something, it kind of keeps everything front and center. The order, which was originally put in place during the pandemic, reinstated last Tuesday. And it will allow trucks to haul an additional 10,000 pounds of freight over the typical 80,000 pound limit without needing a permit. So, if you were only able to haul 48000 on a flatbed, now you are illegally allowed to do 58 because that's going to keep you under 90. 
Under the order, truckers are allowed to haul up to 90,000 pounds without seeking pre-approval from the Ohio Department of Transportation. Just so long as they report the route, they travel to state officials within 24 hours of completing the trip. The order is an attempt to reduce wait times and increase drive times for truckers that would have otherwise needed to take time to seek out a permit. The order will currently remain in effect indefinitely. That's according uh, to the uh, Cleveland News. All right, so I guess it can help if uh, you are usually hauling oversized loads. Maybe you got a 90,000-pound load this time, gross load. Okay, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to get a permit. You just go, go on about your business. And that's well and good. Again, it's one of those things, though. It feels to me like, uh, it, hey, you know, I'm doing something. Matter of fact, uh, the Ohio governor is one of 15 other governors that uh, sent a letter to the Biden White House last week talking about things they uh, plan to do to help. And I guess this is one of them. But anyway, supply chain issues. Let's see, what else we got here? Oh, we already talked about that. Jeez, we got copies of everything here. Why? Why do I have copies of everything? Now, this is interesting. <laughs> this is interesting. Why do I have this many pages, but I don't... Oh, well. Anyway, uh, the port out there in uh, Los Angeles, and there's another one over there in New York, obviously. Port of New York, New Jersey. Anyway, there's been a study conducted And for, from this study, it was determined that trucks idled, all the trucks combined, that sat in these ports waiting. <laughs> Get this, a uh, total combined idling time of 50 years. 50 years idling. If you take all the trucks combined... Uh, you get that, you know, the time sitting, multiply it by the hours of the day, multiply that uh, by, you know, the, you get at the idea, you know how to, do, you know, figure out the math. But, uh, yeah, they calculated 50 years so far in 2021, and we still got a full month to go. Anyway, 2021 isn't over yet, and truckers at these two ports, that's the Port of New York and New Jersey, Port of Los Angeles, they say two ports, but one and the same, collectively sat in the stopped truck with the engine running for an average of 24 hours a day total, which amounts to around 50 years worth of waiting when you consider each individual truck's wait time. Business Insider reports that this idling time is increased by 50% per truck between early 2018 and October 2021. A fact that can be at least partially attributed to the recent West Coast port issues and subsequent supply train disruption. So far, the only notab uh, notable steps by this administration has taken to alleviate the port congestion is to expand port hours to 24-7, but uh, truckers and other experts alike, supply chain experts, say that uh, this has barely even moved the needle, if any. No difference in the backlogs, so. 
a lot of a lot of stuff. Hey, okay, we're gonna we're 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 gonna make it look like we're doing something, but we're really not. You know, like fifty million barrels, twenty million a day, is what we use, and you're releasing fifty. Again, better than nothing, but come on, man, come on, man. All right, what else is going on? Uh, we talked about fuel prices, spot rates. Uh, you know, we shouldn't be talking about this, but I will. Oh, something I forgot to bring up, but we've got time. Uh, the impossible question. Today's impossible question. Scientists discovered this as the fastest thing that the human body can do. Scientists discovered this is the fastest thing that the human body can do. What is it? That is today's impossible question. And I will give you an answer. I'll, I'll give you the answer before we get done today. At least that's the uh, plan. Looking at spot rates, actually, this is from uh, from last week. Again, it's going to be the next podcast. We'll bring you up to date on how the differences are. But from last week, van rates were up uh, 0.7%, flatbed 0.1% or down 0.1%. Uh, reefer rates were up 1.1%. Spot rates from last month, and this is from last week now. It's not this week. The week of November 29th is from the week of November 22nd. Uh, spot rates, fans uh, were up $0.07. Cents, flatbed down $0.04. Cents, reefers up $0.18. Cents, uh, respectively, van rates 292 on average. Flatbed 303 on average. Reefer uh, 344 on average. And these are spot rates. So. All right, what else is going down? Oh, the, the, I'm going to talk about this because I thought it was kind of funny. And you probably saw it on the news already or heard about it. I-5 out in California, armored truck doors blow open, all the cash sucked out like you see on a, you know, on a, in a movie, you know. <laughs> like a vacuum cleaner is just sucking it all out all over the interstate. People out there stopping, cars stopping. People jumping out of their cars, collecting the money, picking it up. All ones and twenties, but mostly. The uh, armored truck driver attempted to pick up the spilled cash. I like to see. I'm sure there's video. I just haven't had a chance to look for it. But you can imagine this guy was freaking out. He had to be. And his first thought: Oh my gosh, I got to collect. I got to pick it up. Got to pick it up. Got to get it all. And then he realized: I've seen pictures. There's no way. No. I mean, it was, it was scattered. It, it It's like, uh, it's raining money. It, it literally rained money from the open doors of this uh, armored vehicle. But anyway, he, he started trying to pick it up. Then he realized this is just not going to happen. So, he got out of his phone and started filming people picking up scattered bills. So he could have, <laughs> he was recording the people that was robbing the, uh, armored car, so to speak. Anyway, CHP, okay, the, the accident happened. Okay, uh, the, the, the uh, well, it's not accident, but the incident uh, took place 9-15, Friday, November 19th. We're talking Carlsbad, California, 9-15 in the morning, November 19th. CHP got there, 9-20, uh-uh. 9.30? No. 10 a.m. 45 minutes for the CHP to get there. I, I got to scratch my head on that, too. 
I like to hear the dispatcher. There's money all over the road. People are stopped. They're out of their cars picking it up. <laughs> what a day. Two people were arrested for taking the money and blocking traffic with their vehicles. I imagine more than two people took money, but they were the ones that got busted for it. CHP says that they are now working with the FBI and that others could face consequences for taking the money. Investigators are going to be using social media videos to determine the identity of drivers who stopped to collect the cash. And I'm sure the uh, armored car driver, his video will be used too. Sergeant Curtis Martin of the CHP warned, if you found money on the freeway, it's not your money. <laughs> it belongs to the FDIC and this armored truck company and the bank. It needs to be returned. <laughs> I wonder, we'll, we'll never know, but I, I, well, I don't think we'll know. We, it might pop out, but I'd like to find out just how much money blew out that back door. How much money are we talking about? Thousands or hundreds of thousands? Considering it was all ones and twenties, well, they say it's mostly ones and twenties. A lot of one, you know, one hundred. Dollars and one dollar bills make a big mess. Ten thousand one dollar bills make a excitingly huge mess. Throw some twenties in there. Maybe a fifty here and there. Hundred dollar bill here and there. Oh, there had to be some hundreds in that. Depending, on, I, I guess it depends on if they were on their way taking the money to the uh, uh, their customers or. Picking up the money that had been picked up already, taking it back to the bank. But considering it's 9 o'clock in the morning, I'm guessing they were on their way. So maybe not a lot of 50s and 100s, just change money, you know. But anyway, kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. I saw the headlines on that last week, and I thought, that, that, that's, that's wild. That's wild. Okay, look, today's Q&A. <sighs> this is kind of... Uh, Okay, now, I don't know if my, my recommendation, we're going to talk about this, but my recommendation is to call me at Tautua. And let me, uh, let's talk about this a little bit, you know, so I can better help you. But uh, Kene writes that uh, they are located in Yakima, Washington, and in the process of starting their own freight brokerage business. They have their license and bond, but still need insurance. And I'm having some trouble with my carrier contracts and customer contracts. Okay. I have worked in the industry for a year and got into it because I have a lot of friends who are Apple and produce salesmen. I feel confident in myself moving loads and doing the day-to-day, -day, but I would appreciate any advice or information you could give me about contracts. So... Let's talk about contracts. All right. Now, can I, you're looking for advice on contracts. Now, if you've been in the industry and you've been brokering, I'm assuming that's what you've been doing. Uh, what you're wanting is uh, broker-carrier agreements. Uh, for each load that you move, you're going to send that carrier what is known as a low confirmation. That's going to become part of the original broker-carrier agreement. The broker-carrier agreement, the legal definition for that, 
is continuing contract because it's going to continue. As that carrier moves loads, they're going to get the load confirmation for that load, which is going to become part of that original contract. That makes sense. Now, from your previous experience, uh, you may have had access. I'm, I'm guessing maybe you were a broker, but you could have had access to a uh, one of these uh, broker-carrier agreements. What a lot of brokers do is they will get as many of these agreements together as they can, use them as a template to create their own. Now, as far as your customer contracts, generally speaking, being a brand new broker, you are going to be working with the customer one load at a time. It's You're just too new to be promising anything because yeah, you, you may be able to get a truck, you may not, but you really need to get some experience under your belt before you go trying to contract with a customer direct for X amount of loads per day, per week, per month. They're going to be dealing with you most of the time anyway uh, on a transactional contract basis. In other words, you're not going to have an original contract that's going to, you know, be, uh, you agree to give us X amount of loads per week, per month, whatever, or we're going to do this or we're going to do that. It's going to be a transactional contract. Generally, what the customer will do is uh, they will provide you a list of their available loads for that day. It's going to have all the details on it. This is known as a load list. Now, we go into in-depth training on this. Matter of fact, in part one of our training at Taltoa. But uh, the load list, it's going to have a list of loads they have available that day with all the information for each individual load. Now, when I say all information, I'm talking about the information you would need to know as a broker or trucking company if you are making a decision to take this load or not. That information would include the origin, destination, the weight, the rate on a first-come, first-served basis. So whoever gets the truck first will get the load. Get the idea? So generally, you're not going to have to worry about a customer contract up to this point. Now, it's funny because I've been in Yakima. When I was driving, I uh, this is kind of nuts. I was up in Yakima, Washington, and, uh, well, there's a lot more to this story. But I'm going to get right down to the brass tacks. I was in Washington. I was sent to Yakima to pick up a load of apples. The apples were going out to New Jersey to a cider plant. They were going to take the apples and turn them into uh, cider. Apple juice, cider, whatever. Loaded the apples. Got them out to uh, New Jersey. In New Jersey, as soon as I got unloaded, I take that back. It wasn't apples. It was apple juice. 55-gallon drums of apple juice is what it was. And took that to New Jersey. And because I was thinking I was in a drive-in, I didn't have a reefer. But uh, we got out to New Jersey, and the same plant I was at where I was taking the 55-gallon drums of apple juice, as soon as I got unloaded, they moved me to a different dock because I had a reload coming right out of that same location. And the reload was uh, gallon, packaged gallon jugs of this apple juice. 
that uh, was going right back to Yakima. It's kind of strange, but it was a fun run anyway. Now, what I was going to tell you earlier about the uh, what had happened, I, I got stuck out there in uh, Washington. Their their chain law, I forget, went into effect uh, October 1st or something, whatever date it was. I was uh, there the last couple of days of September, got laid over, didn't have chains on my truck, wasn't even thinking about it, and got inspected. Well, the uh, the DOT officer out there, I believe he's in Washington, yeah, he was pretty good about it. You know, I, I said, look, I was, I'm not even supposed to be here. I should have been gone the other day. Uh, I don't have chains on my truck. He gave me a warning. He let me go, though. That's, that's pretty good. You know, I thought, man, I was, that was pretty good. And I got out of there as quick as I could. Now, uh, speaking of Oregon and Washington up in that part of the world, eh, we're going to save this talking about it uh, next couple of days. Oregon's got a clean truck rule. I'll just give you the headline. It's going to require manufacturers to sell a certain percentage of zero emission trucks in the state. Now, now get that for a minute. It will require truck manufacturers to sell a certain percentage of zero emission trucks in the state. They're going to have to sell a certain... Are you getting that? They're going to have to sell a certain percentage of zero emission trucks. Now, this is going to be starting in 2025. We're going to be talking about that uh, here in the next couple of days on our next podcast. We just don't have time to get into it now because it's kind of wacky. Basically, it's following uh, the same design as the uh, California. The uh, California, I lost that page. What is going on? Not near there, maybe. Yep, I found it. All these pages got stuck together. All right, yeah, same. Uh, it says Oregon's new rule is a carbon copy of California's advanced clean trucks rule that was passed uh, back in June. Going to be talking about all that uh, Wednesday or Thursday. All right, uh, you got a birthday today. Happy birthday to you. You're in pretty good company. Uh, Gary Shandling, Howie Mandel, Anna Ferris from Mom. All having a birthday today. Today in history, back in 1877, Edison made the first sound recording. Any idea what that was? <laughs> Mary had a little lamb. What else? Uh, this date back in 1951, what, 70 years ago today, the first underground atomic explosion at Frenchman Flat, Nevada was conducted. And on this date back in 1952, I thought this was kind of wild that this would make history. President-elect Dwight D. Eisenhower keeps a campaign promise and visits Korea to assess the war. That was in 1952. Uh, he kept a campaign promise. We don't see much of that anymore, do we? <laughs> All right, things you might want to know. No matter how your weekend went, it pales when compared to what happened to a 45-year-old man in India. This guy was declared dead. They put him in a morgue refrigerator for seven hours. Then he woke up. <laughs> you know, I don't know who's going to be more freaked out. The uh, people that put him in the morgue or him 
you wake up in the morgue and you see all these other, you know, you're going to have to, okay, what's going on? Now, here, this is weird. It's not a widespread TikTok trend. And sometimes I watch you or you, YouTube, and they just came out with a deal the other day, new, uh, new uh, terms and conditions. I think they're trying to run off everybody on YouTube, but Google owns it. So, anyway, uh, I, I you know every once in a while I see these TikTok videos show up of these different weird challenges, and uh, but this TikTok trend is happening in some areas of New York. Uh, kids are taking part, and I, I bet you there's some adults in there too, taking part in the Kool-Aid Challenge. Have you heard of that? It's when they smash through fences and uh, and sheds like the Kool-Aid character in the commercials. You know, I smash you through. How do people come up with this stuff? All right, we all knew it was bound to happen. A dad ordered a toy chainsaw, a toy chainsaw for his kid, four-year-old kid. Amazon sent Amazon sent the uh, kid the real deal. Matter of fact, we're on Amazon now. This podcast. All right. In the did you know department, when it comes to our breakfast eating habits, ten percent of us put milk in a bowl before the cereal. Come on. I mean, that's a low number. Ten percent. Ten. Ten. Ten out of one hundred people. One out of every ten people. Okay, we. I, I'd almost bet you I'd have to ask 20 or 30 people to get one where I'm at. Okay, do you put milk in the bowl first or cereal? I'm talking about the first bowl. Yeah, I, I've I've done it where I've had a bowl of cereal, my first bowl, but the cereal went in, then I put milk on top of it. Then when that cereal was gone, but there was still a little bit of milk in there, i go put some more cereal in it. Okay, that I can see, but uh, somewhere else I heard, I was watching a movie or Something the other day, but I heard something about somebody talking about milk before the cereal. I thought that's weird. Then it shows up in our stuff today. All right, this makes sense. More traffic accidents occur on Fridays than any other day of the week. Of course they do. That makes sense to me. Should you too? Everybody's trying to get home. They're in a rush. Get the weekend going. They're on the road. They're they're traveling, just like in trucking. When I used to uh, train truck drivers, I you know I, I'd make it a point for them to understand that. Uh, most accidents and occurrences in a big truck happen within 100 miles of destination. And the reason for that is people generally start letting their guard down. That last 100 miles of the trip, they start relaxing. Who made it? The next thing you know, they got a problem. Now, this made it into the did you know department because, uh, well, I like cats and dogs. Grapes are fatally, fatally toxic to cats and dogs. I didn't know that, even in small amounts. Despite lots of research into the matter, the exact agent in grapes that causes their toxicity to dogs and cats is still unknown. All that's really known is that they cause acute kidney failure quickly, followed by death in dogs and cats. So, do not let your cats or dogs get around grapes. All right, today's impossible question. Going to answer that, then we're going to call it a day. Be back uh, Thursday, I would imagine. Uh, scientists discovered this in the forest. Oh, no, nope, nope, back up. Scientists discovered this is the fastest thing the human body can do. 
the fastest. Any idea? Snapping fingers is the answer. Sneeze is pretty quick. I, I guess it's something we can do by just thinking about it. We can't think about it. Sneeze and sneeze. I remember when I was a kid, there was a neighbor kid. Pop him in the nose, he would sneeze. He goes into a sneezing fit. I'm not talking about punching him. I'm talking about just, you know, tapping. He would start And once the neighborhood knew about that, poor kid, he sneezed all the time. All right, we're out of here. Hey, go have a good Monday. It's Monday after Thanksgiving. Don't forget, walk a mile, do something. you got to work some of that Thanksgiving stuff off. Any leftovers? Hmm? Maybe? No? All right. But anyway, work it off, and uh, we will talk to you Thursday. Have a good Monday, unless you've made other plans. We will see you.